Today is Tuesday, June 27th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we make it about an hour before we start talking about morality, and instantly someone brings up rape and murdering children. So, you know, fun times. Anyways, we talk about uh, what is the greater sin, killing lots of kids, I guess, and murdering them too, and raping and all, all the other stuff the guy brought up, because um, that's just where it goes. Um, is that the bigger sin or denying Jesus? Let's talk about that. Um, state of theology. The uh, is it Legionnaire puts out the state of theology survey, and you know someone brings up how you know Christians um, you know technically commit more crimes. I call that question into serious scrutiny. Call it question in, in the apparently Department of Bureau of Prisons or something. I don't know how they would know that. I don't know how many people in prison identify as Christian. Anyways, it doesn't matter. You can hear the talk about it. But I, I sincerely question that. Um, anyways, the state of theology may play a part into it as the, the, quote, Christians, people identifying as Christians, increasingly get orthodox traditional theology that people have, you know, adhered to for thousands of years um, increasingly incredibly wrong. Um, like not believing the divinity of Jesus, um, you know, thinking basically everyone can make up what they want to do and that's all fine. Uh, be a good person. God, you know, God's cool with all religions. So it doesn't matter what you, you know, believe is right or wrong or whatever. It's just people who adhere to Christian theology and say they're Christians. These are the basic things you would expect to be gotten right, but they're increasingly more and more way wrong. So um, anyway, as written on paper, that could be a reason for the decline of Christianity. Um, people that identify them, but maybe deny them by the, um, what's the verse? It's, uh, you, you like, ah, honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Maybe something like that. And then our self-worth in Christ. Um, you know, when people often will say, you know, we're, we're terrible sinners, we're wretched, all this other stuff. Uh, secular people, non-religious people will be like, wow, you guys must have problems. How do you make it through the day if you just think of yourself like such a little grubby worm, like such a filthy person? And it, it's not that way, right? Like w this is in comparison to a sovereign God. So yes, that is the case. In comparison to our fellow humans, well, you know, we're all flawed. We're None of us are perfect. But, you know, it's it's not like we... um can't get out of bed in the morning because we're like, oh, we're such a banana slug. Oh, I'm such a terrible person. It's like in relation to a sovereign God, absolutely. In relation to, you know, how are we an okay, well-adjusted human being able to do humanly functions? Sure. Um, but then take that, and the Bible talks about while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. So then you take, you know, our self-worth, like, you know, we're, we're not great, we're not so perfect, we're, we're, we don't have any reason to be huber, have hubris and be puffed up with pride because, you know, look at us, we're fallen sinners, all this other stuff, who saved a wretch like me, right? But then you juxtapose that with Jesus, who died while we were enemies with God, he died for us, and that's our worth. So the people that want to do affirmations, be like, I am my God, I am my own sunshine, I am full of the universe's energy. Ugh. Even though it sounds higher than like, oh, we're a wretched sinner, blah, 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 low is me, ah, we're so bad. Even though they sound like they're elevated, that's that's their plateau. Like, they think it's a glass ceiling, it's a steel cage. So, on one hand, you have, I'm the universe, I'm my God, I'm the energy, and it just stops like 10 feet up. You have the people that are saying, oh, I'm, I'm a wretch, like, who will save me, this wretched soul that I am, I'm so miserable, ah. But yet, somehow... We're decently well-adjusted people. I mean, not everyone's perfect. We have mental health issues in the church, too. But as far as that, that's not a reason why. Our self-worth. Because you take the, the wretched sinners we are, were, um, and then you see a sovereign God dying for this wretched person, and we acknowledge that. We realize that in comparison to his holiness, we are less than a banana slug. 
it sounds hard on the ears, but when you get that, we're like elevated, like we're shattering all kinds of steel cages, glass ceilings, whatever, because the God of the universe that created everyone values us enough to die for us. So that um, propels us so far beyond the people that are like, I'm my own energy, I'm my existence. Anyway, um, wow, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. You'll hear that later. Um, anyway, so our worth in Christ. And then moral realism. Uh, yeah, <laughs> objective reality comes up, and I promptly check out because it is about, uh, you know, and then we keep going back to, you know, that sounds reasonable if, if what you say is true. If what you say is true, well, your side sounds reasonable. No one knows if anything. Like, I believe it. I believe it's been revealed. I believe it's been revealed in nature and God in our, in our Bible that this is the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This has been revealed. I'll confess this, you know, forever. This is my sincerely held belief. But if people want me to prove that in a way that's satisfactory to them, first of all, only God's going to do that. If anyone's going to do that, God's going to prove God to them, not me. I can't give them what they want. And I think oftentimes they don't know what they want. They say they want Jesus to come out of the heavens and show himself to them and do miracles right in front of their face and they'll believe. Well, in the Bible, that didn't happen. 2,000 years ago, that's exactly what he did. And they didn't believe and they murdered him for it. Um, so they'll always, people will always find a reason to disbelieve. Um, even if it's happening right in their own face, then they can't say what didn't happen. They can just attribute it to something else like the devil, like the Pharisees did 2,000 something years ago. Wow, tangent morning. Anyway, so we're talking about objective morality, moral relativism versus realism. I'm like, and they're like, well, if, if, if. I'm like, forget the ifs. The only if you need to be concerned with is if any of this Christianity is true. There is a God, there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a Jesus that died for you. Um, you need to be born again. You need to have eternal life. You need to go from dead to alive. It's not about good and bad. Forget morality. It's about death versus life. And, and, oh, but we, we sidetracked too earlier. Every time someone, every time a Christian says, I don't know if it's a cultural deal or what, every time a Christian says something about it, it's not about good and bad, it's not about morality, they instantly hear, go murder, go do all evil you want. When that's not what we're saying, we're just saying it's not about it. So not about it doesn't mean go do bad stuff. Not about morality. There's a moral component, certainly. Follow Jesus. That's part of being his disciple. But the point is the focus does not stop with morality. The focus starts and ends with Jesus. So dead people spiritually cannot do moral stuff. If you're a spiritually dead person, non-Christian, non-Jesus believer, and you help an old lady cross the road, great. You may as well stab her. Uh, don't. Don't actually do that. But as far as spiritual more morality goes to God, it's basically the same thing. It's, our righteousness is filthy rags. To be clear, don't stab old ladies crossing the road. Help them. But spiritually, it does nothing for you. It makes you feel good. Do you, do you hear my kids yelling at, me, at, at each other right now? Oh, this is summer. Lord Jesus, let, let school start soon. Anyways, so there is a moral component, but that will come later, and that is not chief. What is chief and paramount is you have a dead spirit, believe Jesus as death, burial, resurrection, repent. The stuff you know you should stop doing anyway, stop it. Ask him to save you, forgive you, make you born again, and give you eternal life. At that moment, so those who believe and are given the right to call, be called sons and daughters of God, you're adopted in the family, we're told the Holy Spirit will put a seal on you, and God himself will live in you and guide you. So, if you're a bad person doing bad things, and you truly repent, you believe Jesus, which, by the way, it's right there, repent. It means it means turn and go the other way. So if you're a bad person doing bad things, part of repentance is you're not going to do bad things. I mean, it's, it's in the Word. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus says it. Anyway, aside from that, if you didn't have anyone to give you a morality lecture, God himself will start pulling you that way. If you used to be a thief, if you used to swindle people out of money, if you used to be a con artist... 
you're going to have a hard time doing that. If you're truly a believer in Christ and regenerated, renewed, you have a new heart, a heart of flesh instead of stone, the Holy Spirit's going to nudge you and pull you. And if you keep doing that lifestyle, you're going to feel convicted about it until you're like, have a crisis of conscience. You're like, why is this? I used to do this fine and nothing, nothing was wrong. I used to like scam these old people all the time and there was nothing bad from it. Why do I feel this way? That's God. That's being you being a new creation of Christ. That's why you have a hard time doing that. So you don't need someone to tell. I mean, by the way, if, if I find someone like, yeah, I scam old people, I'm going to be like, well, don't do that. Stop that. But you wouldn't need that. You have your own heart, which now is, is being dealt with by the Holy Spirit, and that's what we call conviction. Wow, am I saying everything I didn't get to say there? <laughs> no, just kidding, I said it there too. So anyway, that's the point. Um, so out of that, there is a moral component. You will begin to look more and more like Christ. That doesn't mean you will never do another bad thing or never fall or never fail or never sin. But when you do, you feel bad about it. You want to repent and you want to resolve to follow Christ, ask forgiveness, and move on. When you know better, do better. And that's why, you know, the thing is come as you are and God loves you to accept you and save you the way you are, but he also loves you enough to not leave you there. So you're going to change. You're going to become this, you know, butterfly in Christ. I don't know if that's theologically sound, but you're going to be a new person, just like the Bible says. The Bible said it best. Oh boy. So check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt to support this podcast because people need some Jesus. Um, more than ever. Look at our world. It is crazy. Like our decision is being forced. And it's kind of like how Jesus said, I'm doing it again, how Jesus said, you know, he didn't come, everyone's like, oh, he's so bad, blah, blah, blah. What's this mean when he says, like, I didn't come to, you know, bring peace, but a sword. Um, I mean, we see that today. Like 50 years ago, you could be, a, you know, probably a decent enough human atheist and, you know, get along with religious people. And you're like, oh, I just don't really talk about God that much. And you don't really believe in a God. You're agnostic or an atheist. You don't even care. Um, and the religious person's like, yep, I go to church twice a week on Sundays and Wednesdays and twice on Sundays. And I love the Lord. And, you know, your day doesn't really look much. I mean, you know, you look like a good Christ follower person. But so does everyone else. You're in a decent moral society. Um, just one person confesses God, another doesn't. But now it's like, goodness, the differences between theists and non-theists God believers and God not believers, God lack of believers, is so stark and only getting more and more stark that it doesn't matter if people say, haha, we'd put Satan on t-shirts and we have Temple of Satan, we're really atheists, we're just making fun of Christians. It doesn't matter. The point is, um, by the letter, if you say, you know, part of the people, you know, during Pride Month, you can't get away from it, it's everywhere. For being people that have such a persecution complex, by the way, um, such a persecution complex. You're the least persecuted people in the world. <laughs> it's like you have the White House flashing your symbols on their thing in color. You have like, you know, naked people running around hugging the president while he's probably sniffing your hair. Peace be upon him. Like there is no persecution. <laughs> so anyway, um, tell that to people in war and famine who are legit being persecuted and murdered. Um, not a lot of that here when the most persecuted minority in America is being like the most celebrated. So Side note, um, let's see, how else can I get myself in trouble real quick? Um, you know what, that's, pro that's probably enough for today. Except the difference is so stark. So if you're part of the LGBT people, which by the way, you know, whatever years ago, they're like, you know, I'm not making a slippery slope ar argument. I think Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, did that. But, you know, when they're like, oh, we're just gay, we just want to get married and have the same rights, blah, blah, blah. And then all the opponents are like, no, it's going to turn into, you know, pedophilia and bestiality. And they're like, no, it won't, no, it won't. And, well, now we have drag queens who are, you know, pushing for story time and transgender stuff and doing, you know, strip shows for kids and having kids, you know, go to strip clubs, which should they be arrested 
except for when it's, you know, trans drag pride night, then it's okay for them to go. They're like Austin, Texas, I think it happened. I think it finally got shut down after much protest. But anyway, they couldn't go there during the week because it was just normal straight strippers, uh, but they could go there on the weekends with drag strippers because that's, I don't know, stunning and brave. Anyway, so that's messed up. And then now you see, like, all these people, all these teachers, all the people in this movement are, like, you know, constantly getting charged, getting, like, for molestation, all this other stuff. And the point, one point, is that's not to demonize everyone under that umbrella of LGBTQIA+, Two-Spirit, BIPOC, whatever. But someone mentioned that, I mean, they may as well just add PNS on that. Because, you know, the, 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 between the trans, and not just trans, but trans, drag queen, story time, you know, that, the whole ilk, uh, is, is now, may as well just put PNS for pedophilia and Satan. So... If you're not one of those people, like, that's not to demonize everyone, right? If you're gay, if you're an adult, if you're 18, if you're trans, whatever. I don't care. That's that's your, obviously, spiritually, biblically, I think that's sinful and that's incorrect. But that's not your problem. If you deny God, that's your problem. The other stuff is is sinful. But if you don't care about God and don't care about sin, do what you want to do. It's your choice. You're, you know, it's between you and God, the God that you don't believe in. I don't, it doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> but if you ask me, yes, it's sinful. I do believe in God. It's wrong. We can still be friends. We can still hang out. Whatever. It's no different than someone of another religion. I don't think the other things they do is necessarily their their problem. It may be. But I think them believing in what I believe to be the wrong God is their problem. Same for me. They may think I'm a decent enough guy. I've got some flaws they'd point out. Maybe it's sins in their, their religion to eat certain foods. But they would say my main problem is I believe in the wrong God. I mean, I'm a big boy. I can respect that. I obviously disagree, but I'm not going to get bent out of shape and call persecution and protest and cry and burn stuff down either. I'm like, okay, you think I'm going to your version of hell if I don't believe just like you? I understand, but I disagree. I also think the same thing about you. <laughs> so so that's where we just do it. We leave it as a civil disagreement, and that's fine. Goodness. Um, did not point on this today. So going all the way back... Like, gays against groomers. That's not to demonize everyone. If you're over 18, you're an adult, you can make your own mind up. If you're still under the umbrella of, like, the pride flag and all that, like, gays against groomers are coming out and they're like, look, we're not for this insane pedophile stuff. Like, stop it. Stop the drag drag shows. Stop all this stuff. Stop having kids throw money in adult fat men's G-strings with makeup and, you know, wigs on. Stop that. They're not for this. So that's one organization who's came out against it and said, we don't want to be associated with you. You guys are messed up gender neutrally. They use the term you guys, you all, those people involved in it. Um, so I would say at this point, if someone, whether or not they believe in a God and or, you know, are part of a Unitarian universal, whatever, if you believe in a God or don't, it doesn't matter. If you're someone who is not for pedophilia and freaking Satan, you need to distance yourself from that movement because it has been taken over and co-opted. Just like, uh, you know, they took the rainbow from the poor little Christians and they made it their flag and symbol of mockery and pride in the face of Christians. Um, and that took off. And I guess Christians didn't didn't care or didn't fight back enough or whatever. But, you know, we, we lost the rainbow. Um, God didn't lose it, but, you know, we did. In pop culture, we lost the rainbow. That same thing is happening to normal, well-adjusted gay, lesbian, trans people um, and everything else under that umbrella. If you're like a normal, decent member of society that doesn't want to have sex with children and doesn't want to serve Satan um, in lip service, not believing he exists or whether or not you actually believe he exists, if you don't want to pay lip service to Satan um, and pedophilia, you need to separate yourself from that umbrella because you have been taken over by completely crazy, degenerate people. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this may not last on YouTube very long, but um, you can find us on rumble and bitshoot.com slash askachristian. You can find us 
for the time being on podbean.com or no no uh, askachristian.podbean.com and uh, there is a gab group um, you can probably figure it out I don't know it may be in the details but um, that's that's pretty much guaranteed to never be shut down um, at BitChute you may have to deal with some Nazis <laughs> um, but um, other than, other than that um, I don't think we're going to get censored and taken down there so we've got a backup and the fact that I even have to worry about that in a country with free speech which people say well you know private op- op- Private companies and operations, they're not bound by free speech. I get that. Like, no one's telling us stuff we don't know, but you think if you're in a free country where the government doesn't censor you and promotes, well, not promotes anymore, but allows free speech because it's our, our constitutional right for now, that companies in that country of operation would follow similar suit. And the fact that they don't just makes them tarnished in my eyes. Um, so if the government will do something and allow speech they won't, um, I don't like that. That's the point. Um, aside from we could we could get shut down. It's probably anyways. So going back to the stark contrast, I promise I'm almost done. A minute or less, and I'm out. Um, then you get to hear me again. So the contrast is stark. You're aligning yourself with straight up Satan, um, or God and Jesus, and not sexualizing kids. So that's it. The 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 like line has been drawn. And, you know, the, the line in the sand is getting longer and long, or wider and wider and longer. It's turning into a chasm. So before long, people are not going to be able to really cross. Um, they're going to have to build like a pole vault or something or like a siege equipment to shoot themselves across this chasm because it is only getting larger and larger. So make your choice. If you are not on the side of God, you know, you can work that out. You can pray with God later. But goodness, while you can, get the heck out of where you are if it's not on the side of God. Um, I, I don't know where else you can go besides pedophiles and Satan, but, you know, give it time, and uh, they'll probably find something even worse. Um, the Bible talks about in Romans 1, I lied, sorry, Lord, um, longer than a minute, um, how people invented new ways of coming up with evil. So stand by and watch the Bible become true as people continue to invent new ways to do evil. That's Romans 1. Check that out. Anyway, um, you can also donate because um, we do not have sponsors. Maybe you can see why. Uh, We only rely on donations from you to keep this thing going. You know, equipment, bandwidth, costs, uh, stuff like that. My equipment's been giving me a hard time later. I would really like to get some more stuff. So um, anyways, uh, we, we do need your help and support. And you can keep the conversation going and be the change in the world you want to see. Is that my Angelou? All right, let's end it there. So take care, enjoy this podcast, and sorry for the rambling. Oh, and check out our Facebook page. It is facebook.com slash askachristianpodcast. Find us on Facebook. Um, I always wondered, I assume you're religious, right, Nate? Yes. I always wondered, how do you guys like determine... um, that the, the faith that you hold and believe in is the correct one of all the you know different type of religions that there are in the world. Like, how are you so sure of that? How do you know that you're not like gambling in a sense, right? Because well, the, I mean, well, I mean, in, in the sense you could say, like, since God hasn't like you know jumped out of heaven in my lifetime and like you know shown me um, yeah. that He's like provable, provable, provable. Except He did that two thousand years ago, and people still don't believe it. So, um, you know, there's no guarantee. So um, I'd say probably the same answer for any other religion who thinks they're really, really right. Like based on, you know, whatever their whole experience, their whole life, they're willing to, I guess, from your perspective, take a gamble and say, yes, I believe this to the point of death. So I, I would say, you know, in my experience, like I am just convinced that I, I Gnostically know, like I have revelation that this is absolutely true and absolutely right. 
And if someone wants to know, I guess, you know, really what kind of metric they can use to tell if I'm, if I really believe that, or if I'm just like saying, I believe it, I mean, I guess that's why we have martyrs. I mean, I'm really not in a hurry to test that theory, but you know, if someone's like, all right, gun to your head, Jesus or not, I'm like, yes, Jesus. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I'm not in a hurry to test that. So, you know, put down your arms. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying you should this, but you see, I, me, I'm, I'm like, I don't really believe in much. Uh, I actually don't really care like if, if it's God exists or not. It really doesn't bother me. I don't care where the universe started. I just, I just care about everyday things in life, right? Uh, get, get yourself cleaned up, go to work get money, go have fun. And at some point, death will come. I don't know how or when, you know, but uh, that's just how I go in life. But um, well, I always I mean, wondered, like, how, how like, since, since I'm like, you can, I don't mind saying it, I'm Arabic background, but I grew up in Holland since uh, I, fled, I fled the war in Iraq. So mostly, like, the connection I have to religion is always uh, Islamic-oriented, right? Because my family... You know, has Islam people, uh, friends I have, Islam. Here in Klapa is a lot of Islam. There's a lot of uh, Muslims in Holland. Uh, Christianity and Judaism is like very distant from me. I don't know. Like, I don't know much about Islam, let alone Christianity and, uh, you know, Judaism. Uh, how do you say it? The Jews? What kind of Judaism is yeah. it? How do you say it? Uh, yeah, so basically, yeah. Uh, for, when they speak, right, uh, the Muslims to me, like, at first I can tell that they're sincere and they really care. Um, but then, you know, when I when I when I hear like Christian people talk, like John Lee or you or the other prominent speakers here, uh, I don't sense like there's foul intent or anything. I feel like you guys are sincere too. But I, for me, it's very hard to distinguish that you're right and that my Muslim friends are wrong. You know what I'm saying? And that's because, you know, I grew up with these people. So I assume you also grew up with a, a, in a Christian environment, like maybe uh, your family is Christian, your friends, right? Uh, so do you believe that the Christianity is right because you're really convinced of it? Or do you believe because, you know, you grew up in that environment and you don't want to detach yourself from it? No, I'm totally convinced. Like, I don't care at all about um go along to get along like i mean you said you don't really care about a god I, I guess i'd say first of all you know if if all the religions like everything everyone posited about god was you know there is a god you should follow god but if you don't that's fine because nothing will happen you'll just stop living and even if you follow god you'll also stop living like if that's the the best our entire planet had it's like okay well i guess there's really no reason to you know believe or not believe in a god because there's that's just it the exact same thing is going to happen anyway and this god that created stuff has no bearing on your future, then I can see your case. But, um, you know, just coming up with imaginative stuff also shouldn't be a reason to believe in a God. But, I mean, I think, you know, it should be considered. Like, you know, what if, uh, you know, there are things that would impact your life based on this God creating you and creating everything around you. So, you know, if, um, like these religions say, you know, you come back and live many different lifetimes, or, you know, you go to this torturous place if you are an evil person, or you go to this really good place if you're a good person, or whatever. Um, I mean, I think that would warrant consideration, right? Because then it, if, if any of that is remotely true, I mean, it just seems like being flippant and like, I don't care. Um, you should, um, I would think. Doesn't mean it's true or not, but I mean, at least you should consider it. That's the first thing I'd say. But no, I, I, I think a lot of people, that's true, that they go along to get along. And it's just easier for them to not rock the boat. 
So if they're like, well, my friends, my family, my parents, all of them are the same religion. So, you know, it's probably true. I mean, they think it's true. So I don't have to, I don't have to think for myself. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. I think a lot of people are like that. And I think that's terrible um, because it just shows like a complete apathy um, in their life. Um, usually people become more serious when they get older because mortality, they, they're aware of it more. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to live forever. Um, let, me, let me really think if there is any truth to this. Now is a good time to find out. And they start exploring it more. And, and whenever people care about that stuff and care about the afterlife, that's when you start seeing like, you know, people of religions um, converting, deconverting, going to different religions, getting more sincere in their own religion. Whenever they make the conscious choice for themselves to decide if it's true or not as best they can and not just take, you know, everyone else's word for it. Um, so for me, no, I don't care at all. Um, if, uh, I mean, you know, whenever I was, I was going on the journey myself to try to decide if I believe this stuff is really true. I was, I was looking for ways to make it not true because, um, I was, I was kind of trying to like rebel against my parents and stuff like that. Cause I was, I don't know, a bad kid, but I, I mean, as much as I looked in other religions real quickly, I'm like, no, this is all rubbish. Like, no, like e even though I want um, to find a different way than my parents. So I guess I can like make them mad. I don't know. I, I was a jerk. Um, I'm like, I guess they're right on this Jesus thing. And uh, yeah, so so now it is, it is truly my conviction that Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, Christianity, the Bible is God's word to us. This really happened. And there is an afterlife. And where are you going to spend it? Uh, with your creator in heaven, reconciled for eternity, or in this hellfire torture place that's created for the ultimate evil demons devil whatever um if you're not in heaven with god which is the obvious answer well that's the only other place for you so yes i i believe that if i believe something else then i would say something else and if my whole friends and family are like well we can't be your friends and family anyway i don't care i, I want to pursue what i think is really true and harry I, i'd recommend you seek a personal experience for yourself it won't cost you anything to seek out and, and ask Wait, seek out what? The word I didn't understand. Um, so, pray. You know, spend time in the Bible, pray, ask God to reveal um, himself to you. Seek for yourself. Yeah. Uh, just one second, I have a package. Okay, but uh, then I spent, let's say I spent 10 hours on the Bible. Eh? Just give a number. I know it's not enough. But, and then I spent 10 hours in the Quran and 10 hours on the Torah, right? It's called the Torah. Uh, let's say 10 hours on Buddhism. I don't know what they use. Uh, Nate said, well, I looked up the other religions briefly and I found out very quickly that they're rubbish. So how do I know that a religion your is personal, rubbish? Your personal prayer time, this reading isn't enough, but your personal prayer time, that's uh, You're kind of chopping out again. But I'd say, yeah, for the Christianity part, <laughs> instead of spending 10 hours, I'd say spend like, you know, an hour reading the Bible, reading what Jesus says to do, which is pray to him, seek him, call on him with your whole heart and, uh, you know, get rid of your pride and pray to Jesus. So spend an hour reading the stuff Jesus says and read another nine hours praying to this Jesus. So that's what I would for, for, for Christianity. That's what I would say. Spend an hour reading about Jesus and spend nine hours praying to him. And for Judaism, you're in luck. You can just stay in the Christian Bible because that's the Old Testament. So um, that can be your Jewish reading too. <laughs> well, what about what? Like, since you like, I know nothing. Eh? So even of Islam, I know much. So you probably know more about Islam than me. What? 
have you like uh, what did you find in Islam that you say that's rubbish and I'm going to stick to Christianity? Like, how, what, like, how do I do that as a, someone that doesn't believe in anything, right? Because uh, religious people, at least they have some basics, right? That there is one God. I guess you all agree on that, right? Doesn't matter which religion you are, but yeah, which, which like, uh, how do you say it? Uh, because religion are, are also like rituals and discipline that, uh, you know, you have, like in Islam, you have to pray five times and like Christianity has other stuff. And you do all these things. And if you do them well, you probably end up in heaven and when you die, right? So if I yeah, tell you, you, like, you, you need to follow the, let's say, the Islamic tradition uh, things, right? You probably think, well, if I do that, I'm not going to end up in heaven, right? Yeah, for other religions, like that's, I mean, that is one thing that separates Christianity. It's not about do, do this or do that. It's not about rituals. There's none of that. Um, the whole thing in Christianity is about what God has already done. And yeah. that's it. So Jesus died on the cross for you because the stuff you would have to do in Christianity is live an absolutely perfect life, which of course nobody can do. So in Christianity, yeah. that's one thing that makes it unique and kind of stand out is we believe our God did this for us came and gave us an example, lived a perfect life and paid the price, like was our sacrifice on this cross because we couldn't pay the price. So he did it for us. So all we got to do is believe that, pray to him, ask him to forgive us, change us, make us a new creation in him, give us a new heart. Like these are all like biblical terminology, but it really just means you accept the, the sacrifice, Jesus's death, burial, resurrection for a price that you could never pay. And you ask him to give you eternal life. That's it. And God does everything from there. So there's no rituals, there's no standing, sitting, like praying five times a day, like none of that. You just believe, stop being a, like the stuff you know you shouldn't be doing, that's called repentance. It yeah. just means stop. So if you're like, you know, a terrible, cheating, lying person, you know, stop that. Just be what anyone would say is a decent moral human being and believe Jesus to give you eternal life. And that's it. So as far as the other people, yeah, there's lots of rituals you have to do. There's lots of pilgrimages, all this other stuff. And Christianity, no. Everything that needs done, God's going to do it himself for you. So uh, you only need to like believe in Jesus. That's kind of like I'm trying to summarize in my head what you said. Right. So um, to summarize, the, the stuff you should believe is yeah. Jesus is God. He came from heaven to earth, yeah. was born as a human, lived a perfect life, was crucified on this cross, for the sins, like the sins of the world. I mean, stuff we, we did that displeases God. So he was crucified. He was our sacrifice. He was buried. He resurrected. He rose back to life. And that's it. Now he's alive. He's in heaven forever. And to the people that believe that and ask him to forgive them of their imperfections, forgive them of their sins, and give yeah. them eternal life, he will do that, and you are saved. And we believe God will take care of everything from that point on. But you you go to heaven, right? Because that's the, that's the end goal, right? Yes, you'll live okay. forever in heaven with him. So, so if like, you yeah. if you just do as all the things that you just described, and let's say simultaneously also murder fifty children, I'm just saying something. Do you still go to heaven or not? In theory, yes. In reality, uh, when we said when we said you don't have to do anything, God will do everything. So if you truly believe that, right? You truly believe the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. You truly ask him to forgive you, save you, give you eternal life and, you know, yeah. make you a Christian, a Jesus follower. If you truly believe that and ask him that, then you will be changed. So you either will not be able to do such vile acts because your heart will be changed. And this is part of us not telling you 
you have to be a good moral person. This is God himself making you a good moral person. So you're not going to be able to do those heinous things. Um, yeah. So no, no, I mean, that, I, that's where it goes. I, I asked but in, because, uh, I'm sorry. No, I asked you because uh, if, if let's say I murder 50 children, right? There will be uh, 50 or at least 50 parents that will need uh, justice for that, right? It wouldn't make sense then if they die and they see me in heaven with them, right? After murdering their children. So uh, it seems to me a bit odd. Like, what's the point of heaven and hell uh, in your view what? then? If, if just uh, believing in Jesus abolishes everything that you've done wrong in this world. Well, there's a couple of things. So first, it's not abolished. And that's that's a big point you said there. Um, I'm not sure if you, well, I don't think you meant to make it. But there's justice and there's grace. So justice means someone paid. So if you, you know, if you say you're a Christian or you murder, murder 50 people and then you want to go to heaven, then that doesn't mean no justice is done. That's the entire point that we just talked about. Jesus on the cross, he paid the punishment for everyone's sin. So if there was ever someone that killed 50 children and they sincerely repented and uh, they believe Jesus, they ask for forgiveness and eternal life and they're in heaven, that doesn't mean no one paid. That means Jesus paid. And just like all those 50 parents who now don't have a kid. If they are if they are Christians, they've also been forgiven. Maybe they didn't do some something as heinous as you did, but they have certainly done lots of imperfect, bad things that have displeased God in their life. Yet He's also forgiven them. So you know, Jesus talks about you know, if you don't forgive, uh, neither is God going to forgive you. So we have to forgive. And when you think about that, it becomes all of a sudden a little bit easier. It's like, well, yes, this person did something way worse than I could ever imagine. But you have still done something worse than other people have done and other people can imagine. So the point is, if the end result is everybody is eternally in heaven with Jesus forever, then it becomes a lot easier to forgive because it's like, what, am I not going to forgive and like go to hell? Like, why would I do that? Like Jesus has forgiven this terrible, terrible person. Jesus has forgiven this person that's not so bad at all, but they've still messed up. So the point is, none of us is perfect. We have all displeased yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah, I have, so one more question. Uh, yeah. I have one more question before because I think Graham wants to say something too. I don't want to talk oh, sure. to you. Nate, your honest opinion and you know, uh, what's worse, not believing in Jesus or killing 50 children? If you have to cho choose between these two things. Um, well, I'm going to focus on the big picture. So, no, 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 just because you have, you have a strong belief, I can sense that. I don't want to like change it or anything. It's just, I just want to understand. So, is 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 if is, is is not believing in Jesus the ultimate sin, or is let's say 50, killing fifty children now in this world is that an ultimate? What's what what grades higher? Well, I want to give a couple different answers. So okay. from the perspective of from the perspective of the person doing the bad things, killing the people, and not believing in Jesus, for them, not believing in Jesus is eternally bad because in a hundred years we're all going to be dead. So let the kids live, let the kids die. In 100 years, everyone you know and love is dead. Um, so from this person's perspective, um, it, would be, it would be less bad to kill lots of people and receive forgiveness because then you are in eternity with, in heaven with Jesus. If you let the 50 kids live and you, um, you don't believe in Jesus, then forget shortening their 100 years on earth. You are spending the rest of infinity in hell. So from that person's perspective, not believing, I mean, from lots of perspectives, that's way worse because if you just focus, if you take the emotion out of it and just look on a timeline, is 100 years more or less bad than eternity? 
Well, everyone will have to say, sure, if the kid's dying and the emotional, that hurts, that's bad, that sounds evil. How could you think not believing in God is, is worse than killing lots of people? Uh, you know, let's make it a billion people. Let's make it nuking the planet. Um, but still, everyone's, everyone's life is very, very finite. So compared to eternity, the person that does not believe in Jesus is screwed forever. So that's what I'd say. I mean, not believing in Jesus, yes, it is the ultimate sin. But, I mean, the reason why is that person is going to spend infinity, eternity, in hell with the devil and, his de and the devil's angels. So that is bad. Don't do that. And, and Harry, let's like just talk about the framework of your question. It isn't as though there are people who say, let me be Christian so I can go kill 50 children. So it's not like a real scenario. Uh, that's, not, that's not what I said. I'm just trying to understand. Uh, uh, the, the thing is, like, let's say the other religions of Islam, it's important also to act on the rules that are set, right? Not just believing. So you're not allowed to kill 50 children, innocent children in Islam, or else you go to hell, even if you believe in the prophet or whatever. So th that's why I'm trying to say, how do I know which religion is right, right? Because for me personally, as, as a human being, uh, let's just make it not exaggerating. Let's just make it one child, right? Because 50 is just a dumb number. Uh, you kill an innocent one child because you, you're you're a rapist or whatever. I don't know. You have you just you grow up bad. Whatever. You're evil. Is that worse or less worse than someone not believing in Jesus and just like well, uh, you as a human being, you well, have to feel hey, something. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Well, I think I just want to go back to something because I think we missed it. Like by by me by us saying something is better or worse. By the way, you know, tell a lie murder a planet it doesn't matter it's all not perfect so it's not saying there's not degrees and like murdering tons of people is not worse than lying but the point is if you tell one little bitty lie or steal one little bitty piece of bread because you and your whole family is hungry and gonna die or killing a bunch of people they all have something in common they are all imperfect so whenever i say you know not believing in jesus is infinitely worse than killing lots of people i already i already addressed this and maybe it went maybe you didn't hear it so let me say it again uh -huh. if you truly believe in jesus because i said god's going to take care of everything right that's why mm -hmm. we don't need man to say don't do this do this don't do this we have god so if you are truly someone who believes in the death burial, resurrection of christ ask him to save you forgive you and make nice. give you a new um give you uh, a new heart i mean that's what the bible says like you'll get a new heart you're a new creation in christ jesus so the things that you did do you don't want to do so you're not going to be able to. If someone's like, all right, you're a Christian. You have a free pass. You can kill as many people as you want. Uh, so how many people this. do you want to kill? You're going to be like, none. Even if you're like a murdering warlord before, your heart is changed. So you're going to recognize that you don't need people to tell you murder is wrong. If you were a murderer before, you're not going to be now. Like if you're truly a new person believing in Christ, you will not do these things. That's the whole point. And a I'm lot of times wrong. people like, well, people I'm almost like, I'm just trying right. to, I'm not saying that you can become Christian and kill people. I'm not saying that. I'm, I know it's wrong. wrong. I'm just trying to, to de determine what's more wrong, right? Because in the end, if you do the wrong thing in, as a religious person, you end up in hell, right? That's the whole reason for the hell and heavens that it exists, right? You do right, you get rewarded. You do wrong, you get punished. Right, so, but in Christianity, it's about, it's about believing. Like, it's not about good and bad. Yeah. It's about death yeah. versus life. Yeah, so it's just yeah, believing. So you, that's it. 
so you've heard kind of the the Christian kind of clear line. Let me ask you, in Islam, it, let's say you do kill one person when you're 22 years old. Do you have to save one person, 10, 100, or 10,000 to then earn your way into heaven from the Quran's perspective? I, I don't know because I'm not a Muslim, but I know in Islam, at least what I, from, from what I understood being in these rooms, is that just believing isn't enough. You have to act according the the laws that have been set by the prophet and the quran and, and don't you think um, it's it's tough that there isn't an exact line like you don't know if you got to be 80 percent good 90 percent good 74 percent good what if you're 80 percent good on and on your last day on earth you curse somebody out and then you die did you just miss the bar for heaven do, do you find that to be challenging yeah, I think it is, but that's then the answer is always uh, Allah Alam, that means uh, Allah knows. I don't know as well, right? But I really don't know on that stuff. But I'm just started, this conversation started with me asking, how do I know that Christianity is the correct religion, right? Me as a, someone agnostic or atheist, doesn't matter yeah. how you're going to blame me. How do, I I know, how do I know that your religion is the correct religion, right? Because everyone is telling me that their religion is the correct religion, and they use reasons like Nate just used. He described how the punishment system works, right? Uh, so that's that's just that's the whole reason why this conversation started. That's all. I'm not saying like that you, you, if you become Christian, you can murder people. I'm not trying to insult people. Well, right, right. But I, I mean, and then we'll get to. Oh, he left. Darn it. Can I well, respond? I we won't be talking. Maybe yeah, one second. I guess we won't be talking to Ram, but I would just say, like, you know, even even you said it. You said, you know, in other religions, you have to like do good stuff too. That's not unlike Christianity. We're just approaching it a different way. So, like, you will do good stuff. Like, a Christian is not going to be a terrible person. Otherwise, they're not going to be a Christian. Like, look at uh, look like in John in our Bible in John eight thirty one, Jesus says to the people who believe in Him, remain faithful to my teachings, and you are truly my disciples. So, our goal is to be like Christ. Christ was not a murdering, rampaging, crazy person, so neither will his followers be. So even though we're saying it's not about good and bad, like you will be more good and less bad. Like it's a it's a byproduct. It's a side effect. And by the way, I think in, in Islam, all you have to do is uh, just ask Allah for forgiveness and he will forgive you. Uh, they make they the Muslims I've spoke to make a big deal about um, saying how they don't need, you know, a sacrifice or anything like that. They don't need Jesus to sacrifice. Allah just forgives. So I think, you know, even when they do bad stuff, right? So, like, they could go out and, like, do all the stuff you're talking about and then just say, oh, Allah, please forgive me, and then they'll be fine. Um, anyway, but keep this in mind, and then, yeah, you bet you could talk, but keep this in mind whenever you're in these discussions. Out of all the people that try to convert you and convince you of their uh, religions and all this other stuff, the Christians, I mean, I'm sure some of them will try to convince you with arguments and stuff, too. But really, the ultimate point is seek Jesus, pray directly to Jesus. So see how many other people encourage you to pray to God for yourself, whatever God they have. Um, but that's the Christian answer. It's like read the Bible to know what Jesus says, which I told you, like, you know, believe in him and then directly pray to him for forgiveness for eternal life. And God himself will take it to there. You don't need to watch YouTube videos. You don't need to have big arguments. Just believe Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, pray to him, and that's it. Like, God will take it from there. That's the confidence we have in our God. Anyway, uh, Yvette, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to respond real quick to him. I, um, I think what Nate is saying is to uh, live by what Jesus says. Uh, so if you believed in Jesus, then you wouldn't kill the 50 children. 
Um, because believing in Jesus is to believe what Jesus says. And if you believe in what Jesus says, you would live by what Jesus says, right? Exactly. Like even Paul, like talking about, he says, look, some of you guys were thieves, um, but then you found Christ, you found Jesus. So now you used to be a thief, like some of these people who are Christians now. He says, but now you've been changed. Now you believe in Jesus. So now you need to work really hard to do good stuff and make lots of money so you can give it. Well, he didn't say lots of money, but work hard in what you do. So you'll have money to pay for people who are also poor. So, I mean, it's not about like, hey, just believe in Jesus and go do whatever you want. Like, that's not it at all. Um, Paul says, you, you, you know, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So I don't know how, maybe it's, I think it's the culture. Like people like don't understand that message, but he's saying, look, it's not about good and bad. It's about dead and alive. You have a dead spirit. Jesus needs to make that dead spirit alive. And then without anybody telling you to do good stuff and stop doing bad stuff, God himself is going to put that in your heart. So if you did do bad stuff, you're not going to want to keep doing bad stuff. No one needs to tell you to do good stuff. You're automatically going to want to do good stuff. Um, and I, I guess it's lost in translation or lost in culture. But um, yeah, so I mean, it could be said for, for the people that can't understand it. It could be said, if you believe in Jesus, yes, now you have to be a good moral person. You could say it that way, but it's, it's, it's incorrect. But if that helps someone understand it better, that's the end result. If you believe in Jesus, you ask him for salvation, to forsave you, to forgive you, give you eternal life. The result of that is he will give you eternal life. You will be changed. You'll have a new heart. And the result will be you do good moral stuff and you don't do bad evil stuff. Well, wouldn't it be you're striving to do good stuff? Because I do think Christians still do bad stuff. I think yes, that is your yes. thrive. I think I said want like 13 times, but yeah, you will want to do good. So it doesn't mean you don't have it, the will to do bad stuff. Like, you know, you can you can still like sin. I mean, no one's immune from that. Even like, you know, Muslims, since we're con contrasting them, uh, will say they still sin. Like, they're not going to say they're perfect. They'll say when they sin, they ask all off for forgiveness or whatever. So, yeah, but you, you will not want to keep doing this bad stuff. You're, you're going to have an aversion. Conviction is the word. You're going to be like, ah, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I didn't want to do that. I feel guilty. Why do I feel guilty when I didn't used to feel guilty? That's God saying, stop it. Don't do that. Uh, Noah, what's up, Noah? Before we lose any more people. <laughs> Hi, Nate. Yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, keep this, this topic going. Uh, you said that... Uh, well, we made it almost to 10 o'clock before we invoked rape and murder of thousands of kids, but all right, go ahead. <laughs> you said that becoming a Christian will uh, will reduce or remove or reduce your inclination to do bad things. Um, if that's the case, then why is it that statistically uh, speaking, Christians uh, commit more crimes than atheists? Um, I'd want your sources. Uh, according to the Federal Bureau of Prisons. <laughs> I would want to look into that a minute. So, um, yeah, I don't yeah. even know what else. To, I don't even know what else to say. So no, were they Christians I would, I before they that. committed the crime? Were they Christians before they committed the? Crime? There's a uh, whole lot to unpack there. But well, yeah, I want to say if you if you follow around like CEO for a day, I don't know, follow around the Christians in this room, even the worst Christians, right? Follow Darth Dawkins around. Like I don't know that guy. Uh, too much, but I mean, he seems about to be a you know a great example of what you're talking about. I have a feeling if you follow that guy around, um, 
and I mean, I don't know. Can you think of a worse example of a Christian? Um, not my opinion, because I don't really know him, but just from what people say. Um, he, he seems like a lot of people would say that's the guy. Um, I have a feeling he does not commit a whole lot of crimes in his life. So if that's a pretty rough example of what a Christian has, you know, follow Yvette around, follow Steph, follow CEO, follow Christopher, you know, fo follow these other people who are Christians on Clubhouse in their day-to-day -day lives. You're probably not going to find a whole lot of crimes they're committing. Um, so I, I don't know if this is like people who like say they're Christian, like people try to say like freaking Hitler was a Christian. I don't know if like that's the type of Christian we're talking about because um, I would challenge that or the people that are like, yes, Jesus is Lord. He saved me. He gave me eternal life. I worship him. I'm his disciple. I want to live like Jesus. And then they go out and rob banks. I, I don't think that's the type of people we're talking about. But I, if you could link the source, I would be interested in it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you, you can just Google it, really. Um, another one that comes up is the uh, the least religious countries in the world have the lowest crime rates. Um, and I mean, this, this doesn't just apply to crime. This also applies to things like poverty. Um, uh, basically, the, the happiest, most successful countries are the least religious. And well, uh, I, that just seems well, I, to contrast with what you're saying, that, you know, becoming a Christian will make you a better, better person. Yeah, well, I would definitely push back on that because I know more about it. Like, I'm going to say that that's 100% like cultural. So if you get a bunch of homogenous population that have been, you know, the same way for like thousands of years, and there's like, you know, little to no, um, uh, they keep to themselves largely. And they just happen to not be raised around like religion. And, you know, when you talk to these people, they're like, I, I've heard Jesus. I really don't know anything about him, but I'm an atheist. It's like, wow, this is the type of atheist that makes a compelling case. Like they legit have like no Bible knowledge at all. Like it's not in their culture. There's barely any churches around. So um, I would say more than some religious affiliation, it is for all these other numbers of stuff. Um, whenever you I mean, look at America right now, like, you know, people who say they're religious, it's like people like the divorce rates. They'll say Christians have the same divorce rate. But then you look at the Christians, they're not exactly following the biblical uh, prescription for marriage, are they? Um, that's rhetorical. No, they're not. Um, so I'd say there's a whole lot more to it culturally. Like, look at America. We are a giant melting pot, and it's boiling over. So we've got all kinds of issues going on. And to say, like, religion is the reason is absolutely false. Um, I am very much more acquainted with that topic than the uh, Bureau of Prisons survey. Okay, well, yeah, I certainly encourage you to just, you know, look up some statistics. This is, this is pretty well known. But if oh, you don't oh. mind, I have... I have one other oh, well, question. Well, well, before you do, let me, let me say something. Um, yeah, I do have a feeling in the in the future, <laughs> for example, um, you could say Christians will be, you know, one of, uh, committing a lot more crimes. That could be true. If, for example, they're like, uh, I mean, like what some of the things they're already talking about, right? Like if you, um, depending on your political affiliation, and if you say you're a Christian, a, a certain combination of those two things is getting you like you know branded as like the new terrorist now right like the new white supremacist terrorist terrorist all this other stuff and then if you don't want to take government mandated health care direction for example or want to impede other affirmation surgery um and you identify as christian that's like being set up i believe to be kind of like the worst of the worst cocktail so if it gets to a point where they're like oh well we have to put these you know white Christian nationalist terrorists in internment camps for their own good and the safety of everyone around them. Um, when really they're just saying, Oh, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I don't agree with this. I do have political leanings this way. This is the kind of country I'd like to live in, um, you know, where the government doesn't do all this other stuff. 
if that becomes terrorist and Christians become targeted for it and they say that's crimes, then your stats could be right. And you'll be like, yeah, Christians are like the most criminals ever because they just, you know, want to live peaceful, God-fearing lives and not be bothered. Anyways. Well, I'd like to go over some data with Null. A Baylor University study of more than 15,000 people age 18 to 28 found that while young, that young adults uh, who consider themselves religious were less likely than others to commit violent or property crimes. A separate study analyzing crime and religious data from 182 counties and three states found violent crimes decreased as a greater number of people were religiously active in a community. Okay, great. Um, I had one other question. Uh, yeah. if, if, okay, great. Uh, un unrelated to this topic. Uh, this is something I've been wondering for a while, and, and it bothered me since I was a little kid, really. Um, why is it that Christians use what I would call confusing language? And I'll give you some examples, uh, especially when talking to unbelievers. So, and I, I've heard it in this room, actually, recently. It's what kind of inspired the thought. Christians will say things to unbelievers like, you have to listen to God, you have to ask God, you have to talk to God, plead with God, follow God. These are all things that, uh, particularly to people who do not believe, um, is just very confusing. Like when you say talk to God, to an unbeliever, the only thing I can imagine is just staring at my ceiling and talking to myself, like speaking out loud to an empty room. So, or, and in particular, uh, listen to God. What exactly are you listening? Because you know you're not, you're not saying to actually listen for a, a voice, an audible voice. So why use language that is ambiguous like that when it's, you know it's only going to cause confusion? Um, a lot of it is jargon and tools of the trade, right? Like people say stuff in the scientific community and philosophy, and if you're an outsider, you're like, just talk plainly. What does that mean? And you're like, oh, right, right. I forgot I'm not talking to someone that's like steeped in this and is part of this conversation. So I think that's a lot of it. It's just colloquialisms and things like that. So if we say talk to God, pray, that's the easiest one. We mean pray. So, I mean, if, if everyone can, can conjure an idea, like you've seen enough movies um, of people, you know, like praying in armies or, you know, priests praying in exorcist movies, like you get the idea of praying. So when we say talk to God, speak to God, um, you know, that, that's what we mean. We mean pray. When we say listen to God, um, I don't really know what everyone would mean by that other than if I say, like, listen, listen to God, listen to Jesus. Like I'm talking about, like, you know, listen to what he says, like, you know, follow Jesus, um, obey Jesus, read the Bible. That's what that's what most people I'm familiar with would mean. If they're saying listen for voices, I don't know those people. Um, you may want to stay away from those people. But when I say when we say talk to God, that means pray to God, the God in the Bible. When we say listen, do what he says. That means read the Bible, read the stuff in red, read what the Bible says, Jesus says. Um, so that's talk and that's listen. Well, I, I think there's a element of it where um, you pray and then you begin to feel like thoughts may be coming to you. And, um, you know, there's perspective that the Holy Spirit could be leaning you in a certain direction. So... That's yeah, the, another that aspect people mean when they are saying, listen, no. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like what we talked about, like, you know, your conscience, like if you, if you were inclined to, you know, just didn't give a second thought, you were just like hurting people, doing bad stuff, didn't care about it, living your best life. Um, and then, you know, you have this conversion, you, you repent, you recognize that stuff was bad. And then, uh, you know, you're following Jesus best you can, and you slip up and do one of these things that you used to be fine with doing, but now you do it and you're like, ah, what, what is that? Why do I feel weird about this? Why do I feel like that was not good? 
like that would be another like you know listen listen to god god is nudging you god is like you know telling you not to do that that's what we call conviction um other people may say that anyways but that that would be the stuff i we mean i agree with ceo if someone says listen for voices i would probably just stay away from that person all right great well thanks guys i hope you have a good day <laughs> sure sure hey mr what's up hey good morning guys so i i did have a topic to discuss um, i'm not sure if you guys seen the state of theology this is a survey that ligonier uh puts out just a regular survey of evangelical christians and then they compare it to um just the u.s populace so i just want to read some statements here um, statement number three that they had on the website, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So for U.S. evangelical, this went from 2016 to 48% agree to 2022, 56% agree. And one more, which I found really interesting. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. That went from 2020 to 30% agree. To 2022, 53% agree. So, what what is going on in our churches? Um, my thoughts is that there's a rise of spirituality and a lot of new age stuff seeping into the churches. Um, we live in a more secularized society, so that plays a part into it. More relativism. But I just wanted you guys' thoughts on what exactly could be um, occurring with these trends. It seems like these responses seem less biblical. Uh, lack of discipleship and influence of the world. Um, I think that's the big thing. Like, you know, people go to church once a week and it used to be twice uh, on Sunday. And now, you know, it's just like once on Sunday. So people will go set for an hour um, if they go. Like, I mean, I don't know who was it, who was surveying these, but I mean, maybe many of these people didn't even go. But, you know, of, <clears throat> of the normal adherent churchgoers, it's usually you, um, I mean, you know, I'm not exempt from this either. Um, it's like so many church services, so many churches do multiple services that, you know, usually you only go one time because, you know, there's small auditoriums and they have to do the same service four or five times. So, um, there's not like Sunday morning and Sunday evening service in most places anymore. Uh, so anyways, you, you, if you don't like make the conscious effort to get involved with like, you know, small groups or like discipleship stuff or Sunday school or, you know, other activities in your church to like be discipled and read the Bible and learn what it actually says, um, and if you don't like, you know, cultivate your own spirituality, your own prayer time, like talking to God, like we just talked about. If you don't cultivate this and read your Bible and have your devotion time and, and you know, focus on God, and, like meditate on the word like the Bible talks to us. This is why would we expect anything less? So I, I that's absolutely the reason. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We'll have a so looking at these trends, oh, yeah, I just want to finish up real quick and then I'll mute up. Yeah, just looking at these trends, it is a little bit alarming. Um, I did post it in the chat as well, the website, you can look at the stuff. It seems like theology as well. Um, not a lot of people have a consistent theology, especially with some of the questions that are being asked and how they relate to other questions as well. So, you know, the conclusion that I get from it is the same as you Nate. It is a little bit scary as well since we're we're going down the path of um, this transgenderism discussion the republican party 40 percent of the republican party accepts gay marriage and 
you know, the church, we don't have a strong church right now. So it's a little bit alarming. Oh, Yvette, you had a question? Yeah, uh, I think it's in Second Corinthians twelve ten. Apostle Paul says that when he is weak, he is strong. Uh, is he talking about what Christ uh, says when he uh, Jesus says what is how does he say? Um, he says uh, the flesh is willing. No, the spirit is willing. Sorry, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Is he saying that he's in the flesh? Is Apostle Paul saying he's in the flesh when he says, "When I am weak, I am strong"? It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me that he's saying that. So, what is he saying? What's the actual verse? Is that around the part where he talks about the things he wants to do, he doesn't do, and the things he doesn't want to do, he does? It's in Second Corinthians twelve ten. Second Corinthians twelve ten. He says. Uh, he says, uh, for Christ's sakes, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships. Uh, and then he goes on to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. And then I'm like, weak? Why is he delighting in weaknesses? Why, why doesn't he delight in being strong in the Lord, you know, in his might? <laughs> Instead of delighting in his weaknesses, I thought that was very strange. Oh no, he's saying like he's saying his own flesh, like you know when his like the yeah I see what you mean now I'm reading it twelve ten, but I mean this is well read the context read the whole thing like read from like uh, I don't know read from one to maybe eleven but he talks about other places too but the whole point is you know the spirit is willing right like what what we just talked about like if you're a new person in Christ. And then I said, you know, the result is you're going to be better. And then CEO's like, well, wait, you mean you want to be better? You don't always do what you want to do. I'm like, yes, yes, thanks for the correction. So the idea is, you know, if, you, um, if you're a new creation in Christ, you're going to have a bent that way. You're going to have a pull towards serving God and doing these good things, you know, and, and not doing bad things. It doesn't mean you're always going to get right. But, you know, when everything is going great, when everything is going wonderful, you have less of a, you know, also, like we talked about even earlier with um, the other guy, Harry, like if everything's going great and wonderful and you're like, I'm going to live forever, blah, blah, blah. And you focus on success, fame, fortune, all the stuff of the world. Then you have <clears throat> it pulls you away from like Christ. It, it just happens um, whenever you're like weakness, whenever you have a whenever you have a sickness, when you get in a car wreck, whenever you're like, whoa, and have like a near death experience or a close encounter. You're like, oh, my gosh, you're like shaking like I could have that could end my life or whenever you have a physical ailment or something uh, like Paul had. Um, you're much more aware of, wow, I have to rely on Jesus. He is the rock that I'm building this my life on. Um, I cannot save myself. I cannot do this. I am not so great. My life has an expiration date. So that's totally what it's talking about. It's like, you know, when he's weak, he's strong because he's alive in Christ. He's aware that Christ is, you know, his source of all things um, versus if everything is going fine, you don't have a care in the world. And you're like, oh, Jesus, sure, sure. Jesus is fine. Like maybe Samson, like how he was fine. He was like able to like, you know, beat up everyone and all this other stuff. And the cares of this world, he's like, yeah, God, I believe God. He gave me the strength. He's great. He's great. But then whenever he, you know, got in prison and they put all his eyes, he's like, wow, I am not everything I thought I was. And then, you know, he ends up crying out to God. And you could say it's a way of boasting in his weakness. He was weak. He was desperate. He cried out for God. God empowered him again. And, you know, he <laughs> rained down rocks on everyone. Um, but that, that's what he means.
is that what keeps you humble? I'm trying to learn how to be humble. That is a way to be humble, right? Because he, you know, all these things. It keeps you humble, what I'm saying, instead of lead you into pride. Yeah, (laughs) Which which is funny because, I mean, yeah, you know, pride comes before the fall. But, I mean, you know, we're told God disciplines those who he loves. So, I mean, you could say that as, as a way to be humble, or if you have something that, you know, is maybe not you're trying to be humble, but it is a humbling experience. Like, it's it's better to just, like, you know, kind of learn the easy way. Uh, my thoughts, not from the Bible. But it's better to just, like, learn the easy way than the hard way, right? So it's like, if, if something goes on and you're, like, boasting your weakness, like, look, I have all kinds of problems. Like, my life is a testimony of what not to do in many cases. Like, I've taken the long way around. This is not good. I'm not like, oh, I've I've barely sinned. Like, you know, everyone's a sinner, but I have to try really hard to think of when I've messed up. It's like, wow. Um, It's like, I'd rather be like, yeah, I have sucked a lot. Like, I've done a lot of terrible things, which is why we talked about, like, forgiveness earlier, right? So it's, like, really easy um, for for me to kind of um, not, I I guess, not be judgy on a lot of crazy stuff because I'm like, oh, someone said they did this, this, this. Wow. I'm not in any place to judge. <laughs> like in a lot of cases, it's like I, I may have done something way worse than that. So it's like um, I I don't know. It could be a humbling experience rather than be like, oh yes, I used to be like that, but I'm so good now. And then something happens, you slip up, and you find yourself like you know smoking meth behind Seven Eleven with like a gay prostitute. None of those were my issues, by the way. I'm just saying. So it would be better to like you know learn the easy way and humble yourself before something else humbles you. Uh, you know, God, life, the devil, something else. Got you. And for when Jesus says the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak, what does he mean to say? How we still mess up, how we still do bad stuff, like how the CEO was talking, how we want to do what is right. Like we, I legitimately want to never do anything wrong. <laughs> like I want to live a perfect, completely awesome, sinless life, just like Jesus. So my spirit is willing. My spirit's really, really willing. But I will probably sin a few times before this day is up. Um, like, you know, my, my kids will, like, frustrate me to no end. I'll probably say a bad word I shouldn't um, and immediately feel guilty and be like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Um, so, yeah, I mean, my spirit doesn't want to do that. But, you know, I get in my flesh. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't wait until summer is over. Wow, 43 more days. I'm not going to make it. You kids are driving me crazy. Ah! And then they, like, look at me like Puss in Boots with those, like, big, like, you know, cat eyes. Like, what did we do? We love you. I'm like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have like, you know, got frustrated and like yelled like that, but ah, you frustrate me. So that's exactly what that means. Like you want to do what is right, but you're not always going to because your flesh is going to like, you know, get in the way or, you know, it's like, oh, I can drink alcohol, but you know, getting drunk is a sin. So I don't want to get drunk. I'm just going to have a couple, uh, you know, a couple glasses of wine and be totally fine. And you know, a bottle later, you're like, oh, I have such a headache. I'm so drunk. I'm never doing this again. God forgive me. Um, you didn't want to do that, but you did. Oh, for oh, example. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Thank you. Anyone else want to tell on themselves? <laughs> My spirit is not willing. And uh, that would be an example of someone who does not want to humble themselves. <laughs> no, God. I'm sure you're. A, I'm sure you're a humble person by secular standards, though, Michael. Good morning. Let me tell on myself. Hey, I get frustrated with my leaders. <laughs> so, 
And I want to say, if y'all don't, if y'all don't get this right today, I'm gonna choke slam all of you. <laughs> so yeah, but then, but then I said, oh lord. <laughs> then I have to repent. Do you work so. out enough to choke slam all of them? Well, the, the I have teenage leaders. <laughs> 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 so I deal with teenagers. I deal with teenagers, even though I haven't seen them in about three weeks now because they've been in Florida. So I can, ooh, <laughs> yeah. But they're going to be back next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> y'all yeah, pray for me. <laughs> Uh, so, Michael, what's up, man? Uh, not so much. Just give me, uh, give me like uh, forty-five seconds. Just, uh, just finishing something up. Well, that was fun. Anyone else have anything to say? Feel free to jump up on the stage. Yeah, you bet. Lately, I've been learning about worship, and it's been teaching me that it's a really good tool to use to humble yourself because uh, when we worship God, we make it all about God and instead of ourselves. And yeah, that just humbles you like big time Um, and uh, allows you to have a successful prayer um, afterwards. So uh yeah i i've been wanting i've been worshiping before prayer and i found it that it's like an easy transition to prayer um yeah because i you know how i've been struggling with prayer trying to humble myself more instead of saying uh that i'm <laughs> strong and i am this and i am that in christ <laughs> And, uh, of course, when you, you know, the song you sent me really helped me a lot because it was like a form, it's a worship. It's a, a, a very, uh, a very good song to worship God. And <clears throat> yeah, because scripture says like when we worship God, we do it in spirit and in truth. And so the scriptures help us worship God, like whatever the Bible talks about uh, in regards to who God, who Jesus is, who God is, and and then we use that, you know, in our in our worship, you know, to describe who God is, you know, as a form of worship, because that is, you know, of course, the only way to worship according to Scripture, in spirit and in truth. Um, then it's like an, a very easy transition to prayer because, of course, like I said, uh, it, it reminds me, you know, that I'm able to pray because uh, uh, because of who he is. You know, he's a savior. He is uh, my righteousness. He is my Lord. And I'm just you know, nothing without him. I'm just a sinner without him. I'm in, like you were talking about earlier, you know, you're, you're weak without 
him. You're in sin. You're, you're, you know, living like the world. But, you know, when we focus on, on Jesus and, and who he is and, and his, uh, of course, his nature that allows us to obey him, like do the 10 commandments, all these good things. Then we recognize that our uh, nature of comes from Him, not in it of of our own selves, but because of who He is. So yeah, that worship really helped. Thanks, Nate. That worship song. Oh sure. And um, yeah, I think like as I hear you talking, like I'm thinking of all the all the stuff people could counter, and because they have. And, you know, they'll usually, like, say something like, oh, look at you Christians. You know, you think you're, like, so, um, I don't know, like, uh, I mean, you know, like, especially if you hear, you know, Calvin's talk. Um, <laughs> like, you know, your Christians are, like, so low. You're, like, a banana slug. You're, like, you know, so, so like, can't do anything right. And, you know, that's, like, all the problem of all these, like, mental health issues. And, you know, you need to have value of yourself. And, you know, get in touch with your queenly divine energy, whatever that means. Um, but I think you're missing the point, right? Because it's, like... It, what you said is absolutely right, but it's not like, you know, we think of ourselves as so little. It's just, you know, we think of ourselves like all these good things, like in Christ, because, you know, if true, which it is true, I believe, you know, that God is the creator of all of us, of all things. So um, we are not above him. Like, you know, we're not like an all powerful entity. So whenever people are like, you, you got to do your da daily affirmations, right? And it's like this universal or like the secret kind of crap. It's like, I am this, I am powerful, I am strong. Um, I mean, if you added in Christ, that would probably be a biblical way to do that, right? Because it's like, look, without God, we are nothing. Like, we, we would not exist. So it's not like we think we're so, we're so bad and so terrible. Uh, well, I mean, we are, spiritually speaking. But it's not like we, we have such a low, like, um, self-esteem. It's like we just know where it's placed, and it's in Christ. So it's in our creator. So it's like, yes, we, we have all this, like, you know, queenly kingly universal energy we just appropriate it right so it's like in christ i can do all things you know we can all things are possible with god um not all things are possible because i want it so or all things are possible because you know i will my queenly powers or something like that um so a little compare and contrast but yeah anyways exactly our value comes from living through christ from christ living in us from us being part of christ from us being chosen to be part of the fold, you know, that's, that's very humbling. I yeah, agree. So Michael, are, are you in touch with your uh, queenly energy? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Um, uh, no, it, it's interesting. Well, a lot was said. Um, so it, it's interesting. I'm reminded of a, a few things um, to what was said a while ago, actually, there is a verse and I think it's in Kings somewhere. I can't remember first or second or whatever that where there's a Bible verse that talks about a still small voice. And I wonder sometimes if that's what people mean when they, they hear uh, a voice. I think I'm on, tr on track with you, Nate. Like when, when I hear, when people tell me they hear voices, that concerns me. Um, but it, it's not uncommon. Well, for a few things, one, like, I think we can all admit, like everybody talks, like we all talk to ourselves, right? Um, and sometimes it's when we're trying to think through a problem or something like that. More often than not, when I talk to um, 
people of whatever faith tradition they happen to have. One of the things that I find interesting is that it seems to me that the the that the things they they hear, right, uh, in themselves, believers, um, that whatever God you happen to believe in always seems to like all the same things you like and always seems to hate all the same things you hate. And I've always found that very convenient. Um, and so I, I wonder, like I, I get, it troubles me sometimes when I hear people talking about, Oh, you know, that, you know, God doesn't like these things. God doesn't like those things and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, a lot of it's written down in the, in the Bible, but I always find that a little bit problematic to what Yvette said just a, a few minutes ago, uh, and Nate, you kind of touched on a, a little bit and kind of offered, I think, a little bit of maybe even clarification. But it, uh, it's, uh, I get my, well, I mean, you can either have it, so I'm just going to go on this crazy diatribe. A lot, there's kind of two modes of justification. There's internal and external. And so some people have an internal mode of justification where where they look at something and they know that they've done a good job. They know that they're, their worth, self-esteem, etc., uh, without any anything needed from the the outside. Uh, others have purely an, an external, where they kind of need to be told, "Hey, good job, buddy." Most of us have a mixture of those two, where we don't necessarily need to hear from other people, but it's nice to hear it from other people. But when I hear people talk about, like, when and again, Nate, you touched on this a little bit. Um, when I hear people say, you know, I'm nothing without X, that is just, that it actually kind of hurts me a little bit to think that someone could have such low um, feeling uh, or, or thought of their own self-worth. Um, and, and I mean, we, we derive our, our, our worth from whatever, wherever we derive it from. Some people from being parents, some people from their job, some people from their whatever it is, right, is how you get your worth. But to think that you're nothing without X, Y, or Z just seems kind of sad to me. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, hopefully, um, you know, you approve of my explanation how if indeed without Jesus, we wouldn't exist. Like we, we wouldn't like think metaphorically we are nothing. We would literally be nothing. We would not exist. So if true, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, how we can be, you know, uh, Christians and have a very positive, healthy body image, mental image, all this other stuff, um, because we, we know our worth and our worth is, you know, with our maker sustaining us, giving us life and creating us. So then, yes, you know, like I am all these things in Christ um, instead of trying to like go it alone and be like, I am all these things. I am my own God. Um, anyways, but um, I, I kind of know what you're talking about. I mean, I know examples of what you're talking about where you say it isn't a coincidence that, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, your Jesus agrees with everything you like and uh, everything you dislike. Uh, so does he. Um, so I would want to know a little bit because I can think of lots of things that, you know, if they're like, all right, um, you are your own God. Set up your rules. Um, there are things I would do differently um, to my, you know, to probably the detriment of the world. So um, I, I guess. Could you explain that a little more? I, I, maybe it's not required, but I mean, I know the examples of what you mean, but for myself, there are plenty of things um, I believe that Jesus likes that I don't necessarily, it's not my natural thing. Um, like, you know, going out of your way to be compassionate and caring and all this. Like, it's not like I, I want to go out of my way to be mean and rude. It's just like, that does not come naturally to me. 
So that's not something I, I is in line with what I would naturally do. Um, things that um, I like doing um, would definitely go against what, you know, Christ would say is a good thing to do. So um, I, I have to fight myself quite often. Um, so, yeah, do you want to elaborate Sorry, on that a little bit? Can I tell Michael what I meant by what I said? Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. clarification is awesome. Thank you. Sure. I meant to say uh, that, uh, be, you know, that we were chosen. So the word of God tells us to come as you are, like meaning a sinner, you're uh, part of the world. But you know, God knew beforehand, before the foundations of the world, uh, to have a relationship with us. So he create, but he created us with, with keeping in mind that the fall of Adam and Eve would happen. You know, we would be, uh, we would become part of the world. We would become part of Satan's kingdom. And so, but he already knew, like created us knowing that because he knew that he had a plan of salvation, sending his only begotten son, da, 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 we know the rest. So we were chosen, you know, before he, we were already chosen before we were created to have a relationship with him, knowing that, you know, the fall. And like I said, so that's, I mean, we're valuable, whether we're, that's something I learned from Albi that we're valuable, whether you're a sinner or a child of God, it doesn't matter because your destiny uh, was to be in a relationship with Christ and to receive all his blessings, whether you're a sinner or a child of God. Am I, am I right, Nate? About well, well, yeah, and it's kind of, it, well, yeah, I mean, the Bible says, you know, why we're still enemies with God, that's when Christ died for us. So, I mean, and that's like, a, that's like taking self-worth to a whole other plateau. So like the people that, well, Michael, <laughs> that people that it's hard to hear Christians talk about how you did, like, right. How, you know, you're not this, you're not this, you know, you're, you're very lowly and all this other stuff. And they think that's, uh, you know, hard to hear because they, it diminishes, you know, who you are. Um, we, well, we can elevate that to a whole other plane, like right there. So it's kind of like, know your place. Right. So it's like, look, I'm not God. I know my place. However, my point, you know, on one hand, it's like, look, um, I can be humbled by the knowledge that, you know, I'm not this, I can't do this, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm, I have a very low opinion of myself, um, and that can be humbling, but then you turn it around, it's like, okay, but also in this condition, in this human flesh state, that's when Christ died uh, for me, um, who I was, you know, at war with God, and that's when the creator of everything gave himself for me to be reconciled. So even in even if I have this kind of lowly state, um, it's elevated like plateaus higher um, just by knowing the ultimate creator of everything wanted a relationship with you so much. He died for you, forgave you, reconciled you to himself. And uh, that's how valuable you are to him. So if that all those descriptors you said are, you know, infinitely valuable to God, um, then, yeah, I mean, it, it's perfectly fine to eat some humble pie. And be like, yeah, look, I'm not all these things. I'm not all these things. But in Christ I am. And look, you know, Christ died for me. So it's like the, the only way to mess that up is to like be like, okay, sure. Well, I'm also this and I'm my own God. And, you know, it doesn't matter what God thinks of me. I mean, it's really hard to mess up. Um, so unless you're going to say like, you know, 
you're equal to God, which someone else did and that didn't work out for him so well, then yeah, it's like a paradoxical, right? You have a very humbling, low view of yourself, but then you also have a very high view of yourself because you know that's how God views you. So it's long, I don't know, am I explaining myself right? It's like, I know I'm these things, yet I still have a positive image about myself because I know the God who created me valued me so much, he gave his life for me. Um, so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a super peaceful place with that. Yeah, it, it, uh, what you say makes sense, right? Especially given, you know, the beliefs, right? Um, but what, what you said was interesting a minute ago, like um, asking, you know, kind of, you know, what you would do, you know, setting up if you're going to be your own God. Um, and this is something I think we've talked about before, but probably not in a long time. Um, any one of us could take a piece of paper and a pencil and come up with um, better commandments than the Ten Commandments listed in the Bible. Um, I'll crib a line from Christopher Hitchens here. He said, the first four have nothing whatsoever to do with morality. They're all about edicts on how to basically not upset uh, this God. Um, the only three that have anything to do with morality whatsoever, um, murder, uh, theft, and stealing, are, are, are commonplace. We don't, need a, we don't need a God to know that those things are, are wrong. All we need is empathy. Um, and then you have ones like um, honor your father and your mother, which could be uh, tricky, especially if your parents aren't particularly deserving of honor. Um, and and he, he goes on, right? There's nothing in the Ten Commandments, for example, about the protection of children. There's nothing in the Ten Commandments about treating men and women equally, right? And so in, in four seconds, we can come up with just a couple. Like we can eliminate the first two and put two other ones in there. And right away, you have a, you have a better moral compass in which to operate on. Well, I mean, everyone so, to say about well, well of oh, course, you know. of course you would, yeah, of course you would, right? Um, but you know, but you know, it's like if when when you say when you say something like, well, you know, what would you do different? There's an example of something I would do differently that I think would have us on a better, uh, on a on a better footing. Right uh, well, I, I, think that's I mean, I don't know if that. Easy. Well, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, second, D. Uh, I, the, you just had a lot. Like, if you just want oh, to like, throw a gas can at me, a gas gas can at me and light it. Like, I don't know if I ask if what would you do different. But, um, you know, taking that, I, and we'll come right to you, D. Um, I, I'd say, first of all, like, as far as the Ten Commandments, who says this is supposed to be, like, you know, the greatest system of morality? Like, this is God saying, hey, do this. Like, it's not moral. Ah, zap, zap, zap. doesn't matter. Like, morality, I mean, you can make a case for the moral law of God in the Ten Commandments. But, I mean, superseding that, this is just, hey, do these things because God says do these things. By the time you're complaining about morality, maybe you're, like, zapped or the earth swallowed you up. So I'd say that. Secondly, if you wanted to, do, you know, Christopher Hitchens, peace be upon him, if you wanted to put other stuff in there, um, that doesn't mean people are going to follow it. I mean, people don't even follow these Ten Commandments. So it's not a it's not a contest in that regard. Like, it's the law. God's saying, hey, do this. Um, and if all Ten Commandments were about protecting children, you could still bet plenty of people are not going to follow those commandments or are not going to protect children. Um, so those are the two big things I would say. But D, go ahead, D. I was going to say it's very easy to Monday morning quarterback a situation where it's already been established. I mean, there's natural laws now that we have that, you know, constitutions and legislations and statutes and all of these things that are created, and it doesn't change anything. So, you know, people are just who they are. And if we go off of our natural instincts, it's about survival of the fittest. It's not about 
having empathy for others. It's it's not empathy when I can if I'm going to do something that's going to benefit me and not someone else. I mean, it may not work in the long run, but at the end of the day, it's about survival. If we even go to the basic life of evolution, so I just I just think it's very easy to just sit on high and and I'm not saying that you're sitting on high, Michael. I'm just saying like to look down and say, well, we could have done this better, where the laws of don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, you know, all of those things are things that will protect children because they're all encompassing. And, and then, I mean, that's that's like, the, I mean, you know, the first commandment that Michael wants to get rid of really quick. I mean, that's like, forget morality. That's like this God, right? Like, put yourself in this perspective. This is the, the God of everything that knows a thing or two about the end state of things. So the first commandment is the key right there. That's the key to the universe. It's the greatest the of all to Yeah. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, you know, have no other gods before him. If you get that right, right there, the, the two things Michael says we could get rid of, for you know, moral living in the hundred years, we're all dust again. Um, if you keep those two, those commandments right there, you're going to have eternity in heaven with God because you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, I.e., you're a Christian, you follow Christ, you're saved, you have eternal life. If you do that, that's it. So while someone is saying, "Well, we could do better because you know we could put another good moral law in there, or we could do this," forget all the morality. Like that's the key to eternity. So would you rather have like you know an a, a, a better, what you consider a better moral law that people will violate and ignore anyway, and in a hundred years it's not going to matter, or the one law that you may say, well, that's not really inclusive. I want my gods too. Uh, but if you follow this, that's going to get you an eternity of, you know, a heavenly experience with your creator. Um, so, you know, I would say that would be a great time to take a humble pie. I mean, if you believe it, if you don't believe it, I understand your contention. But assuming you, you can be like, okay, if this is true, then that surely is the greatest commandment. That's the greatest gift God's ever gave to us because that's how you have eternal life with your creator. Um, so if you have to eat humble pie and think, well, that's not inclusive enough or that's not as moral as it could be, that's not the point. It's not about good and bad. It's about your dead become alive. Um, uh, perfect. Or parsh. Uh, what's his name? Parshant? Hey, hello. Uh, yeah, this is basically the point that i came to the stage to, to to respond to the people if you're not a believer you're never going to get this right if you're not a believer you're always going to get the directionality of the definitions wrong there is no outer other higher moral framework by which we can judge god by which we can say that if god god corresponds to abides by this moral framework then he is a good god no things are good because god does them he's the source he's the fount of all goodness and justice so as as horrific as it may seem to you that his actions might be they're good because he does them it's about as simple as that imagine the futility of arguing with the lord of all glory at the gates of heaven about the moral rectitude of his uh, anyways Actually, very interesting um are you uh, are you sure you want to take that horn of the youth of fro uh, well i was going to say michael can we at <laughs> least can can we at uh, least get an amen from a christian perspective you concede okay. but from right. a non-christian christian perspective you still want laws per 
of course. moral laws. I think right. naturally so if, people right. want authority. It's a natural thing. There's always hierarchies in every system that we're in. Even if we are on the playground, there's a hierarchy status. So for our Heavenly Father to already establish that is just a reflection of how the world is going to be, how is it how it's always been. And to throw it out is just anarchy. It's not it's not even feasible. It's not a natural sense. Because there's always hierarchies. There's always going to be something at the top that you have to humble yourself to that authority. It's shown in everyday life. So for me, it's a connection to what the real world is. I mean, that's how I see well, it, it is interesting. And, and so what I would say is, uh, yes, if we grant all of the things, and, and they, this is a discussion you and I have had a million and one times at least, so here's a million and two. If what it is that you're saying is true, is actually true, then yes, there isn't a reasonable argument against anything that you said. Um, however, um, like, you know, like, you know why, and perhaps, uh, Prashant, since you and I have never spoken before, uh, and Yvette, you and I have only spoken br very briefly, right? Nate can tell you in 10 words or less why I think the first commandment or the first two commandments are total bollocks, right? It, it's, it's not a big stretch to understand why someone who is convinced the God of the Bible doesn't exist doesn't particularly think the first two commandments are all that big of a deal, right? So, but again, granted, if if you hold to those convictions, then of course, right? This is how, like, what you're saying now is how I felt when I was a believer. Like, it's, it, like, yes, of course, it's child's play. But, but, but Prashant, to, to what you were saying, um, I, I would want to ask that question again, somewhat rhetorically. Are you sure you want to take that horn of the euthyphro? I, I missed that last part. Uh, are, am I sure? What you want to take part? that? If you are you sure you want to take that horn of the euthyphro that you took, that it's good because God says it's good. Yes. Are you no. Sure you want to go there? No, he doesn't. Yeah, I didn't think so. I would. Anyway, divine, divine command theory is no justification for objective morality. Uh, Christians should be stating that we are made in the image of God. And God has placed his laws upon our hearts and upon our minds so that we can know innately what is right and what is wrong. That would be the justification for the Christian worldview of uh, objective morality. Divine command theory can change from time to time. We have the old covenant. We have the new covenant. Like divine command theory is subjective by nature. Well, sure. But, but the, that's what, not the argument really that I was making. There, Chris. Well, what you said there, Chris, is super interesting because I guess it would depend on how you – because you said they're uh, objective, right? So I guess it depends how you're defining objective. Can you give me your definition for that? Um, well, hang on one second. Uh, oh, sure. Things. Sorry. Well, Sorry. I'm just taking over. <clears throat> hey, Christina. Welcome. It's been a long time. Christina, Nick, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, Nate. Thank you for the invite up, man. I'm chilling. I just had a debate on Saturday about uh, the Levitical priesthood uh, and whether it came out of Kemet. So um, got the internet in pandemonium because I uh, look like I won that debate and um, I'm feeling great. How about you? Thanks for the invite and thanks for asking. Well, good, good. Jump in whenever you want. And uh, yeah, Chris, um, you can talk in a second, but since uh, Prashant said that wasn't where he was going with that, uh, let's you know give the guy that actually answered that he would take that horn um, a chance to explain because apparently he said that is not where he was going to take that. So um, 
to give the guy that started the discussion a chance to respond, Rashawn. Yeah, I'm, and then Chris, I'm not Chris saying Chris that, that I'm not saying that there wasn't an old covenant and there isn't a new covenant. I know that that has changed through time, but it's an article of faith that we believe in the inerrancy of Scripture and the Word of God. Yeah, so that wasn't at all what I was addressing. Um, are, are you familiar with what the Euthyphro dilemma is? Perhaps, sorry, sorry that came across more arrogant than I meant, intended it to be. No, please go ahead. Okay, so so the Euthyphro dilemma basically states that either God commands something because it is good, or it is good because God commands it. You chose the second horn, which un, which puts so I, unfortunately. I okay, I don't see a difference ahead, between sorry. the two. There, I see. You don't you don't see a difference between so no okay not. so. Okay, so if the first horn was true, that God commands something because it is good, then that would entail that it comes from outside of God, which means it's not innate to him. And with the second horn, if whatever God commands is good, what that means is whatever God commands is good. So then you would have to say that it wouldn't matter what he said, it would by definition be good. You know, I'm going to take that one just because. Kind of, kind of along the lines, right, with like, the more we do this and you hear me say, oh, my gosh, guys, just repent and believe the gospel. Just repent, like instead of talking about like all this stuff. So, I, you know, I, I think I'm just going to go with that. And I, well, I mean, I, I don't see ultimately why. I mean, I know Chris has his reasons, which we'll hear in a minute, um, you know, technically why that may not be the way to go. But I mean, as far as what God commands, what's he going to command that's going to be bad that someone can demonstrably prove? He commands the wiping out of civilizations. Prove that's bad. Prove by him, and I mean you can't. It's like there's no way to do it, right? You can't prove that that's somehow bad, and that civilization as a whole was not saved by him commanding that. And as far as the here and now, he will never command something that is not good in any way in real time, because we have the Bible, we have the his final word. So all we do is follow Christ until you know we die or the rapture happens or the end of times. So no one can prove anything God commanded in the past, biblically speaking, is somehow bad. Um, that it wasn't for the greater good to save humanity or some other reason. And no one, and God's never going to command anything in the future that in any way is bad. Um, so I, I think I'm just going to take that one now. I'll take that horn. <laughs> well, no, yeah. And of course, again, if what you're saying is true, then yes, that's the case, right? But to say God never commanded, like to, to make the statement, God never commanded something objectively evil is to beg the question that the God exists in the first place. So if that's your starting point, cool, right? I don't have that starting point. I don't think we can have objective anything without God. So the statement itself is, is faulty. Oh, that's interesting. What makes you say that? Should because we, we have to have ultimate, yeah, we have to have an ultimate truth. And we need okay, to so change the terms too. I think that objective morality is a little, uh, I think moral relativism and moral realism is more of a better terms to be used. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, because because like using the word objective is problematic, right? Because the standard definition, like you can define a word however you like, but the standard definition for objective is mind or stance independent. Yeah. And as soon as you say God commands X, you're stating what God's preference is. It is no longer objective. Yep. Sorry, go ahead, Tiffany. Moral, moral, moral realism and no one has anything to say? 
Yeah, I just think again, I think it's it's faulty. It's phrased faulty. It's kind of loaded. How is it loaded? What what premise is assumed in the? Well, because you're trying to force somebody into a position that they might not necessarily hold. I think every Christian um, holds to the holds to God's sovereignty. Okay. Yeah. So so did I when I was a Christian. What's what's that got to do with it? Yeah. So when you're saying things like um, objective, um, that that would be you said objective, not me. Right. Right. But what I'm saying is when you're when you're saying oh because God commands it, it is good, or because it is good, God commands it. I didn't, I did, there wasn't a statement, it was a question. Yeah, I understand, but I think that question is kind of loaded, because you're trying to force somebody into a position that they might not necessarily hold. Is Again, there a third option? Yeah, God they're, not mutually, they're, not, they're not mutually exclusive. Oh, how so? Um, let me say this back in my mind. It's good because God commands it. Okay, that could be fine. And it God commands it because it's good. If God commands it because it's good, it means it's external to him, which means there's something external like to him. You have to prove that it's external to him. How do you know that's well, not? Uh, well, right, because, no, no, because the statement well, otherwise because begs the question that God exists. No, it doesn't. It, you could it say doesn't. that God commands it. No, because where, where are you getting your definition of good from? It has to be from God. You're using God. God is a premise. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I have to use God? Well, well, let's yeah. let's say let's say like well, well let you know let's say you know let's let's say murder is bad, um, you know unjustified. So let's say murder is bad. Um, if I, I'm just trying to work my way through this um, before I just start screaming, repent and believe again. But if it's good because God commands it, so if God commands murder, which would be unjustified killing, it would it would you'd have to say it's good because God says murder is bad, which inherently is evil. Um, or it's good because God commands it. So if you take murder, it doesn't mean murder is outside of himself. If God still sustains everything that exists, the capacity for people to live here who will do murder, unjustified killing, still exists. So it's not external to God. So it's not begging the question whether God exists. It's saying God is legitimately commanding something that, that would be bad. But if God commands love, then love also, if God wasn't sustaining everything, nothing would exist. There wouldn't be people or any capacity for love. So if God exists and love love exists because God exists, well, love is good. So God commands it because it is good, and it is also good because God commands it. So those two aren't mutually exclusive. But if He commanded something bad, it would be bad. Sure. So. Sure. And 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 you un, and you understand. I know. And again, that sounds worse than I mean it to. But all of that is under one awful big if. Well, yeah. I mean, so sure. just repent and believe. Just pray to God and seek Him, and don't worry about any of this. We got cookies and robes. Cookies and robes. I'm still waiting. You're still yeah. Waiting. I mean, so if if we're going to talk about an if, um, instead of you know if moral relativism, if we should use objective morality, if we should turn the terms, uh, if a lot, some philosophical point, just forget all that and say if God exists, there the Christian God, there is a heaven and there is a hell, and you're going to be in one of them. So that should be the if. It shouldn't be if morality, if this. It should be if the Christian God exists, what am I going to do about that if? So just focus on that if until someone feels like they've reached their conclusion, which I know I guess you have, Michael, but you know, you're, you're, you're still breathing. So um, I would say that's the if. So if that's true, that's the biggest if there is. So pray to this God and say, if you exist, I want to know. Show yourself to me. Save me. Forgive me. Give me this born again life you talk about. I want to spend an eternity with you. And then you can convince me you're not a moral monster.
Um, well, yeah, no. but I would say that's that's the if to focus on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and it's hard because there's the like the first part of the if, right, is a, a little bit, although not terribly, but it's it's dancing really close to Pascal's wager. Um, and and like I've said to you many times, right, I continue to apply the prescription as yet unsuccessfully. Yeah, and I I, <laughs> I hear that, and let's see. Um, Tell me I'm judging you without telling you I'm judging you. <laughs> Judge so me. I, Judge I don't, me. I, I, don't, I, I don't want to be the Christian that's like, oh, well, you did it wrong. You do, you're doing it wrong. Um, I would just like to offer maybe some, some uh, uh, put up like a bumper rail with a bowling alley when kids bowl. And, you know, they're not saying you're a kid. But when you, you bowl, adults use it too. Um, when it goes, it keeps it from going in the gully or whatever. So it's a little rail to kind yeah, of keep like it on. safety things or whatever. Yeah, yeah so I, I would say maybe some, some coaching um, rails would be if you s occasionally, you know, whatever you do, continue to apply the prescription, which uh, Michael endearingly calls it. We, uh, you know, I told him, I'm like, look, this is what you should do. You should stop watching YouTube videos. You should pray to Jesus of the Bible that you don't think exists and say, look, exercise a little faith. Think, okay, if, if I'm exercising little faith, praying to you, um, you say we must do this in the Bible. You say we must repent, uh, you know, confess our sins, ask forgiveness, believe in your death, burial, resurrection, ask to be born again and have eternal life, and you'll forgive us of all our sins. And if that's true, I want to know, you know, show up, et cetera, et cetera. I will follow you, reveal yourself to me. That That's kind of like the nutshell of Christianity that Michael was referring to when he says the prescription. Um, so I, I encourage him that time to time, keep that on your mind and do that. Because if there's any way God is going, you're going to be proven God, it's going to come from God himself. So that's the way, by praying to God, not by watching lots of YouTube videos and stuff like that. Anyways, Michael, that being said, I would say, um, you know, when you apply the prescription, it is a little, um, I don't know, hits the ear a certain way um, to think that someone would, you know, truly humble themselves as best they can and, you know, do this prescription um, while in the next breath, uh, perhaps, you know, jumping on on maybe Clubhouse and, and you know, taking the very... Um, Gnostic uh, atheist approach that God does not exist and it's all fairy tales and you know maybe um I don't know do you see what I'm saying because I don't want to be the Christian that says you're doing it wrong but do you glean anything from that 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 maybe some would question the sincereness of humbling and you know praying and seeking while also wearing like your God's a lie T-shirts of course <laughs> yeah 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 and to that like and to that there's a couple of things like one i i've never taken anything I, mean, I think you and i know each other well enough now to know that i don't take you know it's like i know you intend it personally but i don't take what you say personally in the quote unquote bad way right so don't ever think about don't ever worry about that to the person who may be sitting there judging saying uh one like the bible says he was never really a christian or he's not doing it right um not possible for me to care less what someone else thinks um um and I completely understand, though, how someone would say something like that. But where you, but the point where you and I are in firm agreement is we have no capacity whatsoever on the things we believe, right? Belief is the process of becoming convinced that a proposition is true or likely true. I am currently convinced one way. When, when I become, you know, when, assume, you know, like taking that leap of quote-unquote faith, when I become convinced the other way, I will have no, I will be powerless to resist it. But I can't act like I don't have it within me to act in a way outside of my beliefs. And in, in fact, I would make a more blanket statement. None of us act outside of our beliefs. I, I would say, uh, I, and I, I want to hear what Christine, <clears throat> well, hang on, I want to hear what Christine has to say in a second. 
Oh, that was Christina. Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say in a second. Um, I was going to come right to you. I actually but I, agree I say, with yeah. that. I actually agree with that, and and this is why people murder other people, and think it's well, totally fine. Well, what I was going to say, and then we'll come to you too, Tippy. I'm glad you're here too, by the way. But Michael, yeah, what I'd say is, you know, we don't act outside our beliefs, but currently your belief is, well, I don't want to tell your beliefs, but I mean, it seems like your belief is, you're pretty sure, but in the interest of you could be wrong, um, and in that interest of you could be wrong, that should allow your beliefs enough to, you know, ardently, you know, you know do the prescription, like, you know, really humble yourself, take a chance as if there could be a God, you know, to get you like this a little bit of faith exercising. So even though your belief is you don't believe in a God, your belief is also there's a chance, no matter how small you could be wrong. So, so that could get you to that ardent place of really considering the stuff um, versus, well, I, I don't really believe it. So I could pray, but it's doing nothing. I mean, you know, based on your own, you know, your own confession, um, that, that chance that you could be wrong um, I think should get you there. And, and I was just saying, well, anyways, uh, yeah, Christina, I'd love to hear what you have to say if you'd like to speak and then Tippy. So um, I got a question for Michael. I, how are we defining good is my question. And oh, yeah. Then, oh, yeah, sure. Um, good, is the, to, yeah, good is the promotion of well-being and the reduction of suffering. To, to, to act against. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. it's the promotion of well-being and reduction of suffering to the best of our ability. Where's that definition coming from? Michael, uh, the constructor of morality. Michael, twenty twenty. Sounds like a utilitarian. It definition. sounds like a preference. Can can we get a resource on on, on the definition of good, Michael? Um, yeah, Michael is the moral arbiter and the constructor of morality in his own mind. It's a societal construct and a construct in his own mind. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I disagree with that. Yeah. So, Michael, is it fair to say that so all the stuff you've heard, this is what? Well, well besides Sorry, the rape and murder, well, besides the rape and murder thing, is is it fair? To, is it fair to say that all the stuff you've heard, this is your personal definition? That is coming from your brain, right? Like we're not going to find this. Of in like course, of course. Some scholar or something. Yeah. You, you you've Please customized, tailored this to you. Okay. Well, so yeah, but his, his ideas come from societal constructs. So, you yeah, know, I, I mean, I just wanted to get it. Yeah. yeah, the Holocaust wasn't wrong because society deemed that it was okay. It was okay to kill six, six million Jews and 77 million people to die in World War II. Slavery wasn't the wrong society, either because society yeah, decided that. Well, hang on, hang on. I want to I set the stage. I, I, I like, hang on, I like the lively debate. Do I? Am I lying right now? Do I like it? I don't know. So I'm going to set the stage. So I'm going to go out on a limb and want everyone to be, you know, somewhat civil. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Michael will probably say the Holocaust was not good and slavery was bad. Um, but if, if we can not like, you know, leap over the moon and if that's the argument you want to make, you know, ex explain it. But I mean, you know, to keep things civil, yeah, it, it Michael, wouldn't be the, it you probably be don't think slavery time. was great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nate, it wouldn't be the first time that someone has, uh, has made those kind of accusations towards me and, and, uh, yeah, they, they slide off me pretty easily. I'm, I'm, I'm not triggered by such things. So don't worry about me. Oh, and real quick, I do have to, I, I will have to, I want to keep this conversation going, especially when I'm not here. <laughs> um, I, I will have to go soon. Um, would you? I'm ready for uh, you, I brother. Don't know, 